On this week's episode, we have Miss Blaze Hale, who goes by Blaze the Writer on social media, where she's a millennial writer and English teacher from Palm Bluff, Arkansas. As a proud woman of color, she writes tales that look to explore the Black experience in America. Her three pillars are the promotion of Black people, women, and sharing the Southern experience. While a college student at the University of Arkansas at Little Rock, she wrote for Odyssey Online, in which she received over 300 shares on her popular article, Put Some Respect on My Town. Since graduating from UA Little Rock with a bachelor's degree in English and a minor in secondary education, Blazer Writer used her Facebook page to, sh to share short stories and update her followers on her current writing projects. She's currently finishing up and revising her first manuscript and beginning the process of querying for literary agents. Let's welcome Miss Blaze Hale. Give her a warm whoop, 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 whoop. Hey. <laughs> hey, Blaze, how are you? I'm good. How are you doing? I'm doing pretty well. So me and Blaze actually went to Bel Air. Well, grade school. Yeah. Middle, Middle school, school and high school together. Yeah. <laughs> We were in orchestra together, but I remember in high school, we have a Facebook group now, a class of 13, where <laughs> they brought up where um, where you wrote about our class dying. Was it English class? Yeah, or Halloween? English class. <laughs> For Ms. I think it was Miss Jones in like 10th grade, maybe? Uh-huh. Miss Jones, that class was something else. Oh, yeah. But um, Bless has always been writing, so I've it was only right to bring her on the show. So since you've been writing so long, like what was it that drove you to write in the first place? Mm -hmm. And what is it that's keeping you on this journey? Well, personally, I think that all writers start off as readers. Mm -hmm. And so I was, oh, well, I am, I still am. I love to read. I love to read. And like, I can't remember being in elementary school and we'd get those flyers for the book fairs and like I would beg my mom and daddy to give me some money so I can buy the books and I'd even plan out like I'm gonna spend this much on this book this much on that book and so I really started off just being a reader and then as a reader I, be I began to like grow a fascination and a love for the way people write like I remember the first book that made me think like whoa that was really smart by the author and it's still my favorite book it's um holes by Louis Schoencher something like that but it's also a movie as well but like I like I really liked how everything in that book connected and how he used timelines and things like that. And I was like, whoa, like that's, this is like a superpower power to me that somebody can do that. And then the first book that made me feel something was Bridge to Terabithia because it made you fall in love with these characters just to like rip your heart out at the end. And so I really, I really love that. And I wanted to, I wanted to be able to do that myself. So I kind of just started writing um, the first, the first writing contest I ever entered was like a creative nonfiction type of thing. 
and it was like to name a class spider or something and like I remember doing all the research to do it and I made it very poetic like and after that I just kind of continued to do a little bit of writing here and there exploring different genres for a long time I did poetry but like now I hate poetry I hate hey that's like the number one thing I hate teaching and it's something I hate writing (laughs) why is that what is it about poetry that you don't like Poetry is hard. It is hard. And like I said, I, I, I started writing because I'm a reader. And so as a reader of poetry, and I read some of like the most famous ones, the most beautiful ones, and I'm like, these are so complex. I don't know how to be that complex. And like, I'm the type of person where everything I do is kind of intentional. And I feel like poetry is intentional, but also it's like, it's like soul. And so if you have it, you just have it. And if you don't, you don't. And it just takes a lot of work. The last poem I wrote was in 2016. And it literally just came to me. And I don't think I I haven't written any poetry since then. But when I was younger, I used to write really bad poems. (laughs) (laughs) So speaking of writing contests, you won just recently the Ali Cundy writing contest how did you find out about that and what was that story about like I read read about it and I related to the the part where Latavia is trying to change the way she's seen by her teachers because I remember in I think Jack Roby so that was middle what is that junior high I wasn't Mm -hmm. with the best of people and I knew like my parents were not going to go for me being like acting up in class or doing things I wasn't supposed to do so I made the decision on myself like her grandma said either you're going to act right or get put out but um what is it that inspired that story is that a true story from while you were teaching and what was the the meaning behind it for you Okay, so I found out the contest about the contest through Facebook. Um, one of our classmates, she's also a writer, and she just put it on her Facebook, like, "Hey, I want to start doing writing contests." And I, I liked the post, and I was like, "I would love to be involved." And then, the, probably a few days later, she posted the first one, and uh, the quote was. The quote was, growing apart doesn't change the fact that for a long time, we grew side by side. Our roots will always be tangled. I'm glad for that. And when I read that quote, I instantly thought about class of 2020. So I started teaching in January of 2017. So I did a semester and then, you know, the summer. And then my first full year of teaching was in I mean not December but August of 2017 and so I taught class of 2020 two years in a row um from January 2017 and 2017 to 18 and then not so I I worked with that class like I know pretty much everybody in that class that graduated. And so when I read that quote, it made me think about how 
me being a young teacher and then them being when I met them at first 10th grade like them being young and watching them grow I was like I, I grew alongside my students and they grew alongside me and so I wanted to create a story that kind of told that but also I didn't want to tell it from just like a student's perspective I wanted to tell it from the teacher's perspective as well because as an educator who a lot of people kind of see what we do on the outside and they don't know about like all the inner things because people always ask me like do you love do you love your job and I'm like yeah I love my job like my students are great it's never going to be the kids that are the problem it's like all of the other stuff on the on the other end where it's like okay this job is stressful and then as far as like the student um, perspective um some of the students that I, I got the opportunity to teach twice, like like I said, they, when I first met them, they were a little on the rougher side. And then by the time that they were ready to quote unquote, walk across the stage, like they were completely different people. They were so smart and so loving. They had my back, like this whole school year, I, they would walk past my classroom and they would stick their head in and be like, hey, y'all better be nice to my teacher. Miss Hell, you need me? You know, like they would speak to me all the time. They would check the students and I'm like, hey, go home. <laughs> <laughs> so the story was definitely inspired by that whole aspect of like my first full year class and then of course teaching them twice. Okay, so how was that experience as a first-time teacher? Like, because my thought of a teacher is usually, like, older. Mm-hmm. So when you graduated college, how did the the students respect you? And then how did you personally feel about, like, teaching students that are, I wouldn't say close to your age, but they can be, like, a little sister? So how did mm-hmm. that dynamic work starting out? It was... I don't want to say it was difficult because it wasn't necessarily difficult. It was just something to get used to. Um, I knew that when I started, I wanted to make sure that I kind of dressed super mature, super professional. That way they didn't get confused. Like I'm not a student. I'm I'm your teacher. Um, But when I started teaching the, I started in the beginning of a new semester and their old teacher, he just kind of got like a promotion. So my first week of school, like the first two days, he was still in the classroom. And so he was transitioning out. And I had the opportunity to kind of observe his interaction with the students before I kind of jumped in. And when I graduated, before I graduated, I was doing an internship. So I had already been teaching under somebody else for a semester and I was just going to a different school district and I was becoming a full teacher. So despite the fact that that teacher already kind of created norms, he wasn't the teacher anymore. I was a teacher. And so once he was out the class, I I changed things that fit me better that was going to help the students more. And so it was the first nine weeks was completely difficult because they were not used to my style of teaching, my style of classroom management. They were not used to it at all. So like that first nine weeks, I was working my butt off. 
I would go to school early, I would leave late, I would come home and I would do some more work. Like, what can I do to keep everybody engaged? What can I do to make sure these people stop talking? What can I do to make sure this and that? And that's like, I worked my butt off that first semester. And then going into my first full year, I had that summer to kind of sit and plan things out how I was going to do things better. And when you start, when you start from in a semester versus starting at the beginning of the school year, two completely different things. Uh, when you start at the beginning of the school year, you have the opportunity to build relationships early on, build trust with students. And that's super important. You don't want to spend half a semester doing that when you only have a semester left. So um, that first full year got much better. I was still working my butt off. And honestly, I would say that this this school year was probably the first school year where I, I, I would say I kind of got the hang of this whole teaching thing. But like, if you ask like my admin and stuff, like they're like, oh, you're doing great. You're doing great. And I'm just like, like, no, there's so many things I feel like I can do to improve. But um, I feel like each year, as long as you stick with it each year, you can get better. But also you should make sure you have like a teacher mentor, whether it's assigned to you or not, that was that's going to help you out. You know, somebody that you can talk to and have a springboard. Because if you're alone, especially when you move to a different place and you start, and I'm not that far from home, but moving to a different place, not knowing anyone, it was really important that I like established um a teacher mentor somebody that just really helped i've never heard of like teachers having a mentor because they i mean i've never been on this side it's always me being in school and learning versus actually having a classmate or a, a peer that is a teacher now so that's interesting you mentioned that your teaching style was different than the previous teachers how is it different from well, comparing it to when we were in school. So how is it different from like how Mr. Smith or Ms. Jones, how is it different mm -hmm. from how they teach and how is it benefiting the students? Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> well, when you put it like that, I would say he was, he was more of like a Mr. Jones and I mean a Mr. Smith and I was more like Ms. Jones. So like I'm very structured and he was mm -hmm. very kind of free flowing and that style just did not work for me like even when i was doing my internship my um coordinating teacher so the real teacher at that time she she said to me she was like you know we have different teaching styles but you have to do whatever works for you she never at any time like checked me or corrected me in front of the kids because it wasn't something how she would do she allowed me to have that classroom the way I wanted it to. And honestly, our teaching styles weren't that different. She was just more, she was more, I don't want to say lectured, but like she was cool with asking the students a question and then letting it be dead space for a long time. Like when I first started out, that was that I, I i can't i couldn't do that like if if it's quiet for more than 10 seconds i'm like okay well here's the answer so like that's one thing that i've like worked on is actually giving students a chance to think and then answer even if they're wrong like at least they're trying 
So his, like I said, his teaching style was very free flowing and I'm way more structured. And so I've just had to learn how to, with that particular group of kids, I had to learn how to inf infuse some of his free flowing with my structure so that it wasn't a major change for the students, but it still worked for me. And so by that second nine weeks, we were great. So as a teacher and with COVID going on, how was the adjustment from the classroom to teaching online from home? It was an adjustment. <laughs> I, I did not like it <laughs> at all. And I wish that this was not our new reality, but it is. But essentially they had us, like we had office hours where we have to be available from, I think nine to three, but in reality, we have to be available from like six in the morning to midnight because kids don't do work during school hours. They do work when they feel like it. And that's typically late at night. You would be amazed at how many emails I would get at like 11.50 saying, I need help with this. I don't understand this. And I'm like, um, I'm going to sleep. Why are you, why are you hitting me up right now? But honestly, even though we're at home, it's kind of exhausting because I feel like you're putting more energy into, like, if you're in a meeting, paying attention, you're putting so much more energy into that. And then it's frustrating for me because I'm like a hands-on teacher. And so if I'm, if I have a student that's like, like, I don't know what I'm doing. I don't get this. What is this? Here, let me show you how to do this. I, so it's, it's an adjustment to like actually have to talk them through things and, and, and then them being like, so I don't get it. Did I do it right? And I'm like, no. So let's start back over. So like, I, can't, I just couldn't get frustrated. And next year, I believe we're going to kind of do like a blended learning thing where half of it is digital, the other half is online. I mean, it's half of it is digital and the other half is in person. I don't know how that's oh, going to wow. work. Um, right. I'm not looking forward to it because like <laughs> I prefer to be in the classroom. I prefer to see my students every day and, and work with them like that. So I'll get used to it. <laughs> wow, that's a big adjustment. It sounds like college, really, because, you know, we got the yeah online classes and, and you get to stay home. So that'll be different. Right. Yes. And they're not, I'm not going to say they're not ready for it. They're just not used to it. Like you, in addition to teaching my content area, it's like I'm also teaching self-motivation on steroids because they they don't ha some of them just don't have the motivation to do it for whatever reason and so i'm just like hey like you, you got to push through you're almost I, I teach 11th grade so i'm like you have to push through you're almost done you know you don't want to mess up this year just because you didn't want to do online learning right that's good because they don't know like it's completely different like they'll eventually get used to it in college but mm -hmm. to have that i mean they'll be they'll be well adjusted once they do graduate but initially i know that's that'll be a tough job for y'all as teachers that's good 
that they actually were able to adjust to structure versus a Mr. Smith because we did any and everything with him. <laughs> but um, back to your writings, you had the the viral article that you had, Put Some Respect on My Town. What was it that, I mean, I know, but what was it that made <laughs> you want to write that article and how has it changed like readers' perspective that you know of, of Pond Bluff? Mm-hmm. Okay, so starting with like the beginning with that, at the time I was still in college and this format, this um, yeah, format Odyssey Online became really popular. And I started writing for them. And for them, you have to write a new piece each week. <laughs> and I, when I was first presented with this opportunity, I was like, oh, that sounds great. I definitely want to do that. But, and I thought I was going to get paid. <laughs> and it's not that you don't get paid. It's like, if you have a lot of shares, a lot of hits, that's that thing. Uh, and you have the top one of your... Um, I don't remember what they called it, but like of your college group that that's writing for Odyssey, then you get paid. And so there was this one girl who would get all the hits. I'm like, she knows everybody. And so that was really frustrating. And I was, I was probably by the time I wrote that piece, I was ready to quit just because I was a college student. I had a lot of work to do in I wanted to do more writing. I wanted to kind of get my voice out there more and I guess, quote unquote, pay my dues. But at the same time, it's nice to get paid. <laughs> um, but the Birdman video on Breakfast Club had came out around that time. And I thought it was hilarious, obviously. But in addition to that whole incident happening, um, there was a post, I don't remember what the post was, but it was a, it was somebody talking bad about Pine Bluff. And I was like, people be talking about Pine Bluff like they know it. And even being in, in college, like, you know, Little Rock is only 45 minutes from Pine Bluff. And whenever I tell people like, I'm from Pine Bluff, they, they'll like say something or they'll make a noise. And I'm like, you don't know anything about Pine Bluff. Like in, in, living in Little Rock or the central Arkansas area, I realized like people really don't know, if they're from Little Rock, they really don't know anything about the places outside of Little Rock, except for like little rumors, little reputation, things like that. And so I wanted to write something, like I'm from Pine Bluff, I know, I know my city and I want people to respect my city. And so I wanted to write something where people, who are from Pine Bluff feel some type of pride into it because it, it, in my opinion, it's a great city. And, you know, people talk a lot about, they call it crime bluff, crime bluff and whatnot, but like, I never felt unsafe in Pine Bluff. And I've had the, well, I don't know if it's a pleasure <laughs> of living in different neighborhoods in Pine Bluff. And like I said, I've never felt unsafe. Like I used to live on the East side. I, I felt completely safe um, playing out in my front yard or backyard. I've lived by the hospital, which is like a more nicer neighborhood. Felt good over there. We moved to chapel. Well, they, my parents went to chapel now and felt safe there. So it's like, I, I don't like the whole crime bluff thing. All right. And even my students will um, make fun of it as well. So 
I, I, I like that I have this piece where me as a former person from Pine Bluff, I have pride, but like other people can get pride if they're from there. And then people that are not from there can see like it actually is a mecca of great things. And I'm, I, I want my hometown to always flourish. Right, and even on safety, I think that's who you hang around because obviously there yes. is crime, but it's just who are you with? Because exactly. of my 10, 12 years of being there, I never had a problem. But when I was at UAPB, there was a girl from Memphis who had transferred, well, she was going to UAPB and she was in the middle of a shootout at a house party. Mm -hmm. So it's just like, it depends on where you are. Like I was blessed yeah. to, you know, be safe, like the both of us were, but some people don't have that same story. So it's just who telling, who's telling them that story of mm -hmm. Palm Bluff and then what the news is saying and then the truth. Like that's not all of what we are. Yeah. So that was, I love that. That was a good article. Like just more pride in where we come from because when I first moved there, I didn't like it. But mm -hmm. now it's just, I grew a love for it. I don't see myself moving back, but um, just still like having that pride of knowing and appreciating where you came from. Um, so and yes. when I released it, when I released it, a lot of people like thanked me for, um, you know, putting respect on Pine Bluff because, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of people were frustrated as well with, you know, the whole crime bluff, stank bluff reputation. Right, because it's annoying, like when you know yes. where you're coming from and people that never, probably never been there, like what you said earlier, mm -hmm. it's just, it's annoying. Mm -hmm. But for your style of writing, is it, because you also have your, your family, you had your family article that I read, and then there were like your other short stories. So what is your style of writing? Is it all nonfiction, fiction? And um, for the fiction stories, are they based on your life? Like, do you mix it up, mix your true life in it, or is it purely imagination? Okay. Um, it's funny that you asked this question because I was talking to my brother. And my, my oldest brother is probably, like, my biggest soundboard. When, I, when I'm writing, like, if I finish writing something, he's probably the first person I send it to. But I was having a conversation with him last night. And he said that he feels like my writing is thought pieces about whatever is going on in the world, whether it's like 2020, like right now, or it happened in 2019. He feels like it's thought pieces. And I was like, it, it really is. I, that's how I would describe my um, writing style. Um, sometimes I do write nonfiction and after taking a creative nonfiction in college, I've begun to write more personal nonfiction, um, creative nonfiction. But as far as other nonfiction pieces, I'm not a big fan of. So that's kind of where the thought piece of fiction comes in. Um, even with the hero's journey, the writing contest that I just won, um, that was kind of a thought piece in relation to education for how teachers feel, but also how students feel. Um, and then the piece about my grandparents, that came from just 
my grandmother had just passed at the time and I was, we were on the road going to Mariana and I was like, man, I grew up here and I can't believe that I may never come back here again because I really don't have a reason to. Like I have family there, but I don't have like a huge reason like my grandmother being there. And so that's kind of where that came from. And then the manuscript that I'm working on, it's inspired by that feeling I got when back in 2016, when uh, Trump was first elected. And I was like, man, what, what is going to happen in this world now that he's elected? What's, what's going to happen? And so I, I wanted to write about what I think the world could end up like if his presidency goes completely left. Um, so yeah, my, my writing style and inspiration kind of comes from whatever is going on in the world, whatever is going on in my life, my friend's life, my family's life, things like that. Like people in, inspire me. And like, you remember me in school, like I, I really, not, I'm not, I really wasn't that talkative. I'm an observant person. So like, I take a little bit of everything that I'm observing and it kind of influences whatever writing that comes about. So your manuscript, is that for a book that you're about to release? Not about to release, but I'm about to start um, querying literary agents. So basically uh, sending out a letter saying, hey, I have this book. Here's the first chapters. And if they're interested, I'll send the rest of the book. And if they really are interested, they will sign me and help me sign with the publisher. And then it'll be released out to the world. Okay. So, the, so that's like it's the, the agency. Yes, yes. Okay. okay. It's the traditional way of um, publishing. So what makes you want to go through a publisher versus self-publishing? Like I've seen a lot of people doing the self-publishing, like putting it online themselves. Mm -hmm. What is it that makes you want to go down the publisher route? I want to go through the publishing route because when you work with the publisher, like essentially they're supposed to, um, What's the word I'm looking for? They're supposed to like advertise your book for you. They do all the marketing. They they take care of all those things that okay. so that you as the writer, all you have to do is have the product and boom. But when you self-publish, you are doing everything, mm -hmm. which is great when you want to talk about money because that means you're getting pretty much 100% of the profits. But I have never been a salesperson. <laughs> so... <laughs> I, I just know, I know, I know me. And if I self-publish and I have to push my own self, that, I just feel like I would benefit more going the traditional route than relying solely on myself because I just know how I am when it comes right. to trying to sell stuff. Okay. And you have to know yourself before like seeing because exactly. I'm seeing it so much it's like why not just self-publish but you know like that's not the route you want to go down so mm -hmm. it's good to be self-aware so where can we find you with the short stories that you've written and the ones that you have in the future like where do you actually post those 
So I post most of my stuff on my Facebook page, Blaze the Writer. Um, and then anything that I enter into a like writing contest, it kind of just depends. Like the the one that I recently won was just through Facebook. So it was okay for me to post it on my own page. But like some other writing contests, um, it'll usually be printed in their um, magazine or put on their websites. And so I would always just share that information once again on my Facebook page. Okay, so what advice would you give future writers or aspiring writers that want to go out and they don't know their style, they don't know what route to take, even like you said that you would rather get a publisher versus self-publish. So what is it that you would suggest the aspiring writers to do? It's like starting out. Mm -hmm. um, starting out, I would say what you want to do is free write. Free writing is always great. Just get something on the paper because usually when you free write, that's going to give you an idea of the voice that you kind of want to have, but also like the subjects you want to talk about. Um, another thing is I would suggest buying uh, the writer of The Hate You Give. She wrote a writing journal for writers called, I think it's called Find Your Voice by Angie Thomas. And in that book, she does like an exercise where for like one minute, you write down the things that matter the most to you. After you write those things, um, I think she had us like give details about it. That has really helped me in the past um, year to kind of flesh out what I want to present out to the world. And, and that's kind of how I came up with my three pillars, you know, black people, women, Southern experience. So you want to make sure that you're writing about something that matters to you. If you're just writing to impress somebody else, it's not going to come off authentic and you're not going to fall in love with it. Like the manuscript that I just finished, it wasn't my first manuscript I've ever written, but it's the first manuscript where it matters to me. It, it's like, it's my baby. It means everything to me. I look back at some of the other stuff I've written in terms of like a longer piece, like a novel. And I'm like, mm, I'm not fooling with that because I was, I wasn't, I was kind of writing more. So what I think people wanted instead of what mattered to me. And so make sure you're writing about something that matters to you. Cause if it matters to you, it's going to be authentic. And that's what people like. They like authenticity. If you are not, then, I mean, it's going to show up in the writing. It will definitely show up in the writing. Um, in addition to writing what matters to you, I would also say something that has helped me more than I thought it would. So I, I just started a Twitter like two or three weeks ago because the writing community on there were doing things where they were trying to include more black writers and things like that and so I was like well let me jump on this opportunity <laughs> but the writing community on Twitter is amazing like they like some of the people that are literary agents some people that are editors and publishers and things like that they 
they sometimes give advice on their pages. And so like, I just flip through there looking at different advice and I'll write stuff down, things like that. Um, the writing community on Instagram that I've developed as well has been really helpful getting great writing tips. And then since we're talking about social media, also joining groups on like Facebook. Facebook has groups that are becoming like a big deal. I'm in like three or four writing groups on Facebook and just learning from other writers is extremely, extremely helpful. Um, you get to see what they're doing, their experience, their writing style, um, just all kinds of things. So I would definitely immerse myself into the writing community. And the last thing, the last piece of advice is read. Um, one of the things, because I'm I'm a I'm a leisure reader. I just like to read, period. But what I want to start doing or what I'm starting to do is read as a writer. So if you're a writer, I would read as a writer. Start if if you know you want to be a science fiction writer, read science fiction books and and after you finish a chapter or two, take a moment and digest and break apart that writer's writing not to like critique them negatively but like really think about and this is the ap english teacher in me but like think about how they formed these words to create this story how did they tell that story and how can you use what you've learned from that from that one chapter of this other person's book to improve your writing That's some good sound advice. Like even for me, like I don't see myself as a writer, but just mm-hmm. wanting to blog more or like different writings that I want to do in the future. It's good advice to just write like the free writing, the book, mm-hmm. find your voice. And I'll leave these books and the other books that Blaze mentioned in the show notes, but just to get it out, get it out of your head and make sure that, mm-hmm you see like you have a passion for what you're writing and you got to practice at it too right yes um, you have to practice oh and i would also add have find at least one person that's willing to read your stuff before you release it like like i said earlier my brother is that for me he reads everything that i write and that's a soundboard right i heard you say soundboard that's what that Mm -hmm. person would be okay yes yeah, and he'll, he'll, it's like, sometimes he's afraid to give me critiques, and I'm like, no, I don't, I don't need you to tell me that you love it. I need you to mm-hmm. tell me what I can do to make it better. Right, okay. So that's what you're looking for. You're looking for somebody who's going to help you be a better writer, not just somebody that's going to gas you up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, be that yes man for you. <laughs> yeah, that's true. But I'll leave all your information in the show notes. So usually at the end of every episode, we like for our guests to give us homework for the week. Even if we're, some people may not want to be writers, but some people do. So what will be, either you can either give us two homework assignments or like one for the aspiring writers and one for anybody that just, that's just listening to support or interested in writing. What would your mm-hmm. homework assignment be? Okay. Um, I would say 
one thing that I gained from writing about my grandparents was the response from my family. And so for homework, I would say, for those who don't want to be a writer, call, call a family member or a friend and just talk about one of your favorite memories with that person. You know, whether it's your mom, your dad, a grandparent, um, best friend, or maybe somebody who you don't, who was your best friend maybe in like high school, but you don't really talk to them. Like get in contact with them and just talk about that one experience because one, that can bring you guys closer together if you aren't cool anymore. But I just think that that's holding on to memories just in our head isn't enough. We have to talk about them because we want to remember these things. That way, if, if you ever decide to have kids, like these are stories that you would essentially tell your kids when they may get in that type of situation. And then if you're a writer, write that experience out write that experience out that you have with your mom, your dad, your best friend, somebody that's not your best friend anymore. Um, and then if you want, share it with that person, like send it to them and let them read it or read it to them. I think that those are really good therapeutic activities to do. Um, but like I said, you also want to make sure that you're not just remembering things in your head, but you are putting them on paper because that's something that I wish I did more as a child is put things on paper especially when I think about growing up with my grandparents for both writers and non-writers and I'll probably I'll do the writer one I'll write <laughs> it out I don't know what which who am I going to write about but um just put it out there and I'll share it with the community on Facebook or wherever but thank you for that, Blaze. Thank you for coming on and being a guest and sharing more about your writing experience and being a teacher. I really appreciate it. But no, usually, I, I appreciate you giving me this platform and I'm so proud of you too. Thank you. Thank you You're so welcome. much. I appreciate that. So at the end of every episode, I like to speak life into my guests and listeners so for this week i pray that you're blessed in every way and that your manuscript is picked up by the right agency the agency that's going to help you throughout the whole process and not just see you as an opportunity for your manuscript but they actually see the value of you blaze blaze the writer of the manuscript that you're putting out and that they help you to get a publisher a publisher that's going to make you a new york best time seller and yes. that you are able to have more opportunities from this, like whatever you see yourself as when in a few years, in one year, that this is going to catapult your career to whatever you want it to look like, if, even if you don't know what it'll look like. And I pray that every day and every way that you're getting better and better and that favor follows you in every direction and it chases you down. So we're going to get out of here. Wow. You Thank really you did speak life. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> that was beautiful. Thank you. Thank you. Welcome. You're welcome. Well, we're going to get out of here. Thank you, Blaze, again for coming on the show. We'll see y'all next week. Love, Julia S.